Today we are looking at the idea of a new heart and a new spirit. And the first passage that we are going to be looking at comes to us from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet that is sending a message to the people hundreds of years before Jesus will come. And Ezekiel, as all prophets, has a message of repentance, the message of turning to God. Let me read to us right now from Ezekiel chapter 18, beginning in verse 30. Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent, turn from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Repentance, it's turning from evil and turning towards God. One of the things that is true of evil is that it leads to death. When we think of evil and the example of evil in our relationships, in other words, you're in a relationship with someone who's selfish, who's deceptive, who's abusive, and such evil practices, that relationship will die. But if that relationship is to endure, you will need things like love, kindness, and a servant-mindedness. Evil is damaging to our relationships. Hence the reason in verse 23, we are told to repent and live. And one of the things that is true of repentance is that it is our entry point into our relationship with God. That is how we begin our relationship with God, is with repentance, turning from the evil that is within. Let us read together this verse, Ezekiel 18.30. Repent, turn from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. So that's just it. That's pretty easy, right? We just need to turn from sin, turn to God, and all things will be solved. But oh, oh, there is a little problem. And this little problem is, is that we are sin addicts. No matter how hard we try, our sin will still overpower us. And as a result, we need to repent again and again and again and again. One of the things that happens with repentance is that when we repent, we often do a little better. And we begin to look better the outside, which is a nice thing. We do want to be better on the outside. And to help us kind of understand how repentance works in our life and how it does help us and how we live our lives, it helps us on the outside. I've got an illustration for us today, and it is this. It is a 1967 Mustang that has been restored. That looks very nice to me. 
That is a nice looking car. I think we would all look better driving to and from church in that vehicle. When we repent, we can look better on the outside. But imagine, oh, imagine if we were to pop the hood of that car, and we pop the hood of that car, and it looks a little bit something like that, and a little bit like this. Turns out the engine's broken. It looks nice, but it's got a problem. The thing won't work. Repentance in our life is a little bit like this repeating pattern. We repent, we get better, but then we get worse again. We're broken, we repent, we get better, but then we're broken again. We repent, we get better, but then we are broken again. How do we solve this problem? The prophet Ezekiel has an idea for solving this problem. The prophet Ezekiel, a number of times through the book, mentions a new heart and a new spirit. Stop trying to fix the old and get something that is new. Let us read this verse together, Ezekiel 18, 31. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed. Get a new heart and a new spirit. Fantastic. Now we know the solution. We need a new heart and a new spirit. So where do we get those things? Is that, is that something I can get on Amazon? Is there some guy selling those on eBay? He's got them piled up in his basement somewhere, and he'll sell them to me on discount. Is that, is that where I find a new heart and a new spirit? Maybe it's more of an Etsy type deal. Walmart, Target, local shop, where do I find this new heart and new spirit? Is this the kind of thing they sell on the dark web? Is this one of these things that if we just know where to go? But not the dark web, the light web. Because it would be good, right? Where, oh where, do we find this new heart and this new spirit? Well, obviously, it will not be purchased, whether on the dark web or not. It comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, who goes to the cross on our behalf, who takes his sin upon himself and pays the cost of that sin and suffers death on our behalf. But Jesus who is the sinless Son of God, will not be confined to death, but rather raises to life eternal. And in his resurrection to an everlasting life, he sends his Spirit upon us so that we might have a new heart and a new spirit. And later in the service, when we come to communion, we will celebrate that. We will celebrate together the work of Jesus on our behalf so that we might have a new heart and a new spirit. And this new heart and this new spirit, it equips us for life together. It equips us for the way that we as a church move forward. 
And for our next passage, we are going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. And we are going to be seeing what does this life together look like with this new heart and this new spirit. And as we look at the call that is upon us, we will find that we have not yet arrived. We are not living in the perfection to which God calls us. But our encouragement this morning is that we will take steps in that direction. Let me read to us now from Philippians chapter 2. And I am going to be reading verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then to make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and in mind. The passage reminds us that as indwellers of the Holy Spirit, we have some expectations upon us that we, as the church, should be in one spirit and one mind. That is a difficult calling placed upon us. Because if you've ever been in a partnership of two, you know how difficult it is to be of one spirit and one mind. And we as the church are far greater than two. How, oh how, will we achieve this status of being one in spirit and mind. This is the call that is upon us. How will we get there? The passage continues on. I'm now reading from Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The passage reminds us that our path towards being one in spirit and one in mind is that we are to have humility. We are to value others more than ourselves, just as Jesus Christ has done. It is indeed what it says in verse 3, in humility, value others above yourself. And we have this calling that in humility, we will be able to have the same mindset as Jesus. Let us read this verse together, Philippians 2, 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the main, same mindset? Is Christ Jesus it comes with a clear directive? Is that is what we should do? But it is a dilemma for each of us. For me personally, I think, have you met me? Have you met me? Do I have the same mindset as Christ Jesus? If we were to ask the people closest to me, they'd be like, no. No, you do not have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You are not Jesus. I'm going to leave it up to you as to how you and your loved ones might answer that question about you. The truth is, I have 
the same chance of developing the same mindset as Christ Jesus, as I do as becoming the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? So what are we to do? We reflect back upon Ezekiel, who says that we will have a new heart and a new spirit, that we will have the power of Jesus Christ within us. And Jesus is indeed one who is humble. Jesus is one who has, through his very life, exhibited great humility. And the passage here from Philippians explains that. I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Who, that being Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We have this great example of Jesus who chooses humility despite having the very nature of God became human, even to the point of death on a cross. And one of the patterns that we see throughout Scripture is that as people are willing to humble themselves, then God will lift them up. And as Jesus was willing to humble himself even to the point of death on a cross, that God raised him up. And God raises Jesus up and esteems him in such high regard that all people will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. That is the example to which we are called to live out with one another. This mindset of Jesus Christ, who humbled himself to the point of death, who will be exalted forever by the power of God, we are to live like Jesus. Have you met me? Do you know me? I can assure you that those closest to me have never confused me for Jesus. They never said to me, oh, your humility in Jesus, one and the same, I can barely tell the difference. How, oh how, are we going to do this? How are we going to live the example of Jesus Christ, even if we have this new heart? and this new spirit. It kind of feels like God wants us to be this. God wants us to be perfect. That's the calling. But we look at our lives and we're this. We're all broken. What are we to do? The reality is, is that this side of glory 
we remain a work in progress. Each of us striving to become the perfect one that God calls us to. And this passage does understand our own limitations. Let me finish off our reading today from Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Continue to work out our salvation. We are works in progress. We are in progress, and we should, as people who are in progress, be those who are becoming more like Jesus. We are becoming more like Jesus. Will we get there? This side of glory, we will not. But to simply give up and say, I can't, it'll never happen, is unacceptable. When we think of ourselves as being a little bit broken, I would say to each and every one of us, let's get a tool and get to work and make some improvements so that we can become more like Jesus. And today, the tool that we talk about is the one of humility. The one of esteeming others above ourself. And when we look at this tool of humility, it is something that God uses throughout the course of the Bible. That God uses humble people. Humble people don't steal God's glory, they give it away. Humble people point towards God more than any other. When God needed someone to lead his people out of Egypt, he looked for Moses, man who is described as more humble than all those upon the earth. When God needed someone to save his people from their sins, he chose Jesus the greatest example of humility. The one who, though being in the very nature God, became human on our behalf. And for us, we must strive to be humble people. And when we come and we think, how do I become humble? I will tell you a quick way there. Pray for it. There are some prayers that God answers, and God answers fast. The prayer for humility is one of them. Pray that God will humble you and you will indeed be humble. Will it be fun? I doubt it. Because humility seldom is. But God uses humble people. And for us today, just one thing I would put out before you as we strive to be humble is that in the good that we do, not only in this church, but in our life around us, I would encourage all of us to seek no recognition. Oh, we all like to be recognized for the good things that we've done, don't we? When we do something nice, we like our name to be called. We like people to pat us on the back. And that's nice. We should do that for other people. But as we do good around us, this week, 
I encourage you, seek no recognition. Expect no recognition. That is difficult. That is hard. A story from you coming out of Gordon College, which is a Christian college on the North Shore. Not so long ago, Gordon College, like many small colleges across the U.S., was having financial difficulties. They were on the verge of shutting down. They had begun to reduce their programs, began to try to figure out what survival might look for them as a college. And then four years ago, they received a gift that changed the directory of the college. They received a gift of $75.5 million. This was a huge sum to the college. It gave them a future. It allowed them to make plans not just for surviving, but for thriving into the next generation. Now, we all know about colleges. They are happy to receive your money, but they also put your name on anything. If you've ever been to a college campus, you never just walk into the building. It's the so-and-so building. Their name's on everything. And that's how they recognize their financial donors. That's just how the world works, and we live with it. But this donor to Gordon College, which is a Christian college, in case you didn't know, this donor to Gordon College gave anonymously. This was such a significant fund, I think they probably could have had the college named after themselves. At least added their name to the college. We are now called the anonymous Gordon College. But they gave anonymously. No recognition. That is humble giving. So for us as a church, as we strive to do life together, it's challenging to be in one spirit and in one mind. But let us strive together with humility. And when we fail, let us repent, acknowledge our failure, we will, and strive forward again that we might be humble people who serve without the desire or need for recognition. Can we just try harder? We cannot. It's not about just trying harder. It's about allowing that new heart and that new spirit that has been put within us to become more and more significant in our life. And I thank you for being here this morning and worshiping together. For those who are here in person, for those who are joining us online, you're here, you're listening, you're worshiping with us because you say, I want that new heart and that new spirit to continue to grow within me. Let us take a moment and quietly reflect upon this message together. Mm -hmm.